Hey, on today's episode, we're going to talk about how the retirement planning world is filled with plenty of advice and suggestions, but how there are some critical questions that sort of lurk in the shadows, these unasked and overlooked questions. And these are the questions that can actually help define really the comfort and security of your retirement future. So we need to uncover these conversations and these questions. So on today's episode, we are going to unearth and tackle the hidden but essential questions to retirement. Stay tuned and let's get after it on today's edition of the Retirement Roadmap. It's time for the Retirement Roadmap podcast with registered financial consultant, Glenn Mosseller. Welcome to another edition of the Retirement Roadmap. Walter Storholt alongside Glenn Mosseller of Roadmap Financial. Find us online at roadmapfinancial.com for all our past episodes and more great information. Glenn, it is great to be with you this week. How's uh, life treating you so far? Oh, Walter, it's going well. I hope you're doing okay. Yeah, not bad at all. And uh, looking forward to, uh, I don't know, I guess uh, pulling out of this uh, kind of February time frame pretty soon. Before you know it, it'll be spring and we'll be off to the races with uh, March right around the corner now. So March Madness, you know, around North Carolina, that becomes a big deal this time of year. So lots to be excited about, I think, this season, too, for the, the March run for some of the local teams. Well, I think you got that right. It's it's uh, <laughs> it, it it is it is always that way. But I think you know it's just like every, <laughs> I think this year is going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about retirement planning's hidden questions. We teased it at the top. We've got a couple of good ones. In fact, five that we want to uncover on today's episodes. So we'll get a couple of different topics here, but all of it kind of revolves around this concept of. People just not asking the right questions sometimes or just not realizing just how important the response to a certain question might be when it comes to retirement preparation. So let's start off with the first one here, Glenn, and I think people will pick up on on kind of what we're angling uh, for here with this first example. So one of the hidden questions that people often overlook is, how much are my tax-deferred savings going to cost me in taxes in retirement? So what's kind of the crux of of what we're getting at here with this, uh, this tax issue? Right. Well, Walter, I mean, we've talked about this in previous episodes, right? I mean, the you know, there's different ways to save for retirement and, you know, quite a few people, you know, utilize the, you know, the traditional 401k and traditional IRAs where you're putting in pre-tax dollars and so and there's nothing wrong with that. It, you know, you you want to you you know, most people are going to want to have you know, some, you know, tax deferred money, but you, you want to make sure that it's, you know, if you're, if, you know, depending on how much you're saving and how much you need to have, you know, drawing out for, you know, for retirement income and so forth, you want to just kind of make sure that you're not oversaving in that one particular type of an account. You, you know, you want to have some diversifications in your, you know, tax diversification, if you will. You know, the, the idea here is, is that you, you, you know, you, you got to really fundamentally understand what these accounts are doing when you're, when you're making, you know, when you're putting deposits into them or when you're taking the payroll deductions you know are, are coming out and then they're going into these accounts you know tax deferred means tax deferred and and that, you know the 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 idea here is is that it's not just your money that's going into these accounts right I mean it, it's money that would have otherwise been paid to you in your you know in your wages and yet you're putting you know be, so in order to lower you know your you know your wages you know to a, you know you have a, a lower you know net you know what what's happening is is that money's going into these accounts and before it's taxed so that by by definition means that tax revenue is going into those accounts along with your money and when it comes out when you when you start taking distributions 
then there is going to be potentially you know taxes to be paid and so it's kind of a joint account although it's not it's not titled that way you know and and so you want to be really careful to make sure that you know you're you know you're making the you know the appropriate amount of money or deposits into that type of an account so you know and and there's there are ways to mathematically calculate you know it's just how, how much should how much should I really need to be putting into this type of account versus like maybe a Roth or other types of savings vehicles to really, you know, work on making sure that you're not creating a tax bomb, you know, later down the line. Because if you know, if you're like most people that I've talked to, you know, very few people think that tax rates are going to, you know, stay the same or go down. You know, with with the, with the level of debt and deficit that we have in this country, you know, with you know with what's going on in Washington, you know, everything just keeps going, you know, keeps going higher as far as the debt goes. And at some point that, you know, that that becomes unsustainable and, you know, and, and, you know, tax rates are very, very likely to go higher at some point. And if you've got all of your money or the vast majority of your money in, in, in a tax deferred account, then it's kind of hard to really know how much how much do you really have saved that's yours you know, for retirement? Because if you know, if, if you've got money saved in there, you say, OK, well, I've got X amount of money saved in this account. However, yeah, that's true, but it's also not entirely your money. And if and if it's going to be, you know, if if a, if a smaller percentage is going to be yours and a larger percentage is going to go to taxes, then it's kind of hard to retire with, you know, with uh, you know, no, not knowing exactly how much of it's yours and how much of it is the government's, if, if you will. Makes a lot of sense there, Glenn. So I think that's a wise question to bring up and just try to bring more attention to the fact that people often overlook just you know what their taxes are going to cost them in retirement and uh, particularly true with those types of accounts. So good one to bring up to begin things here. Uh, another hidden question in retirement planning would be how much can I withdraw from my savings each year? This is kind of just like flipping the question around a little bit. So much of the attention's on that return and how big that nut's going to be. And so many people don't focus on the more important question of like, all right, well, what are we really taking out? Well, that's just it, Walter. You know, I mean, obviously, in your, when you're in your younger years and the accumulation years, and you're just trying to grow your, you know, your retirement nest egg as much as you can. I mean, you're really focused on, you know, you know, growth, right? But then, as you get closer and closer to retirement, and you know, maybe get into retirement, you know, you really have have to ask the question: Well, how much income, you know, can my retirement savings produce, right? You know, and, and typically, you know, I mean, there, you know, there's there's different there's different you know formulas out there. I mean, a lot of people are familiar with the four percent rule. You know, you know, developed back in the '90s. You know, where where you you know you, the idea was is that you know you you know sh- theoretically should be able to withdraw you know four percent of your account balance each year. You know, and and you know, and then that should be able to last you through you know through your you know retirement years. The challenge is, is that you know we've been living through a you know low interest rate environment. You know now that recently that you know interest rates have jumped back up a bit, but they're they're not they're still not as high as they as they were back in the '90s. So you know a safer you know a safer way to think about that is is in, for most people anyway is probably somewhere between a two and a three percent you know withdrawal rate. And so when you start thinking about that, it's like okay, well you know if it's if it's somewhere between two and four percent, you know well for every hundred thousand dollars. You, you know, you can withdraw 
somewhere between two thousand and four thousand dollars a year, you know, and that's you know that's that's kind of the you know the basic theory behind that withdrawal rate. Um, you know, your required minimum distributions kind of start off in, in around that four percent range as as well. You know, when you when you're required to start taking you know required minimum distributions, so you know you you start thinking about well, not only how much am I saving you know into these accounts, but you know how much income can it produce, and then when you start doing the math, it's just like you know it. it you start thinking about well, you know, how much volatility do you really want in in your accounts, particularly as you're approaching or you're, or you're actually in retirement, because it's like you know you get a little bit more growth, but you know how much risk are you taking to get there? And if and if and if you, you know, end up having a drawdown in the value of your account, you might not be able to produce as much income, at least reliably, had you been a little bit more conservative. And so it you know it it really becomes an interesting question, Walter, because it's like you know you, you start thinking about how much growth is there, but you know, I mean, it, you know, it ha you really start thinking about well, it's not necessarily the the volume of dollars that's in the account. It's it's what can it produce for income and 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 living, you know, and and you know, providing for lifestyle. And that's a different way of thinking about it. And you know, and that's the, like I say, that's that's something that you start to think about more as you're as you're getting to the years where you know you're thinking about distribution and preservation right you know versus you know growth and and the accumulation phase and and so it's really it's really important to you know to make that distinction so well, you know because that's what you're saving it for right i mean the whole the whole idea of the 401k was to take the place of pensions you know or to supplement pensions and and so it's you know the, the design is is for it to be you know an income producing type of an account and so you have to start kind of thinking along those lines not necessarily how many dollars do i have in it but how much how much can it produce on a regular monthly income you know so that i can live and have the lifestyle that what i want to have you brought up the magic word for the next one on our list there, Glenn, as we shift to this hidden question in retirement planning. Should I allocate my investments differently during retirement than I did during my working years? A lot of people don't make any switch or transition there. Right. Right. Well, Walter, I mean, that's just it. I mean, you start thinking about, you know, we've talked about this in the past, too, and we talk about, you know, retirement diversification, right? Because you know, when you go to retirement, you know, you're either going to, by design, you know, you're going to want to take money out of that account or those accounts, or if, even if you don't want to, there's a reach a certain point with, you know, with m most people, you know, depending upon if they've got those tax deferred accounts, like we were talking about before, they're going to hit that place where they're going to have required minimum distributions, right? And so if you are going to be taking money out, you start thinking about, well, how much volatility do you want to have in the money that you're withdrawing from, right? I mean, you probably don't want it to be, you know, you don't want to have a situation where, you know, you know a, a really deep market correction or a bear market, all of a sudden, you know, if it, if, if it reduces the, the account value, you know, and, and everything is all in one account allocated the same way, you know, you take a big hit like that, 20, 30, 40, 50%, you know, drawdown. Draw like, you know, if you look back to the tech, you know, boom and bust, you know, the dot-coms back in 2000 or, you know, the, the great, you know, recession back in 2008 and 2009, we literally had, 50, you know, from peak to trough, you know, about a 50%, you know, drawdown, you know, from the S&P 500. 
Well, you know, if you're in that situation and you start thinking about, you know, withdrawing money out to live off of, you know, the, the, one of the whole ideas about, you know, you know, investing is, is that, you know, you want to have money if it's exposed to the markets, you know, you, you want to have a time horizon, you know, and so you start thinking about, well, how about, how about we start diversifying in terms of timeframes, right? You know, and maybe, you know, you, if you can visually picture the three buckets, you know, you have a now bucket, you know, what, what the money that you're going to need now, like in the next six, you know, six months to a year, then the soon bucket, you know, is going to be like the next five or 10 years. And then the, the later bucket is, you know, maybe 10 years and beyond. Right. And you start thinking about that. Well, you know, you can put, you know, some of the riskier things that, you know, or that, that are going to need to go through the you know full market cycles. Maybe they go out into that later bucket, you know, and, and then you start thinking about less volatile things, you know, in the in the in the now and the soon buckets so that if it's less volatile, then you know that when you when you go to you know draw money out, you, it's it's going to be far more reliable and you're going to know that it's going to be there and you're not going to have to you know throw your whole plan off just because, you know, the, the economy did something that you weren't anticipating. And so it's it's really it's really key to understand how that works and that can be done in a variety of different ways. You know, there there are different there are different financial products out there. There's there's different um, you know there's different ways of investing and, and so forth. And of course everybody's situation's a bit different, but you know, no matter what solution you come up with in, in terms of your overall planning, it, it needs to be you know part of that overall planning is it's like how are you going to draw income from those accounts and you know and, and not expose yourself to to undue risk, and that might be from volatility of the market as well as you know, you know tax risk. I mean, it's nothing worse than you know having a big hit, you know, and 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 all of a sudden your account value is worth a whole lot less. You're forced to take distributions, and then you got to pay taxes to boot. And if taxes, you know, if tax rates went up, you know, during the you know maybe maybe a few years out, then it's then it's even worse than that. So you got to really think in terms of you know what's your exit strategy? How are you going to draw money out of these accounts? You know, on, on a regular consistent basis, you know to create that income that you need. Yeah, Glenn, I think it's just a really wise one to reiterate that people need to spend some time thinking about that one. Should you allocate those investments differently in retirement than you did in your working years? Two more of retirement planning's hidden questions on the docket. The next one, Glenn, is should I still have life insurance when I'm retired? I think a lot of people think once the you know they've got their kind of core family members out of the house and it's just maybe a, a remaining couple and now you're retired, you don't need to replace that that working income. So no more need for life insurance premiums. Is that uh, a folly in that thinking? Uh, it depends, Walter, right? I mean, you know, I'm sure you're surprised at me, here, me saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Your two favorite words. Right. Well, you, it, you've, yeah. you've got a framed uh, a framed quote in your office that says it depends, doesn't it? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I don't, I should, shouldn't I? You That's know, right. I mean, it's, right. it, no, it, it it truly does, Walter. I mean, different people use life insurance for different reasons, right? And so, you know, it, you know there's you know some people use it for you know legacy planning, you know, to be able to pass on assets to their heirs, you know, with in a tax favorable way. There are other folks that you know you know you. you you use it for, you know, like you say, during the working years, and maybe you know you're, you know, you're worried about it. it's like what happens, you know, if you die, you know, young, and and you know, and then then you know, there's this big mortgage and so forth and, and all that. But you know, you still have to kind of think in terms of, well, I mean, for most, you know, for most 
people when when they're when they're thinking about retirement you know it's just like you know the the a lot of times people think in terms of life insurance is you know is income replacement well sometimes there's a, still a need for at least some income replacement because when you when you retire or you know it, you know you, you know things change a bit but now you know you you're still if you're married you know you're you're filing a joint tax return you know and so your you know your deductions if you're t if you're doing a standard deduction it's twice as big as the as the single deduction is you know the threshold of what takes you into the, you know, of how much income takes you into the next tax bracket, you know, is twice as big for, you know, for a married couple of married, you know, filing jointly as it is for, you know, for a single person. And so, you know, there, you know, and the other piece of that, Walter, is, is that, you know, there sometimes income can shift, not, you know, not only the, the tax situation, but the, but, you know, sometimes there are pensions that either completely go away or are reduced, you know, if, if, if one spouse passes, certainly one, you know, if there's two social security Security checks coming into the household. You know, the larger of the two, you know, is there for the as a survivor benefit, but the smaller of the two goes away. And so there are situations where you'll actually see, you know, income go down, but you know, the tax rates, you know, either stay the same or possibly even go up just because of the you know, the structure of how all that interacts with with one another. So sometimes there's a there's a there's a need for you know continuing to have you know some life insurance there. There's also you know situations where you know they you know if you're thinking thinking in terms of you know planning overall you you want to think about well, what about, you know, what about long-term care? And, you know, there, and, you know, you might say, well, what does long-term care have to do with life insurance? Well, there's different types of policies out there that sometimes will, you know, if they've got certain riders on them or they're built in, in a particular way, they may be able to, you know, allow you to use a life insurance policy, you know, for, you know, for chronic illness that, you know, that, you know, if you, you know, while you're still alive and that, that may end up, you know, reducing the death benefit or eliminating the death benefit. But at the same time, there are some hybrid products out there that will do multiple things so again it's it, it depends on your particular situation and you know and how everything is you know is, is structured for your retirement plan but but you know it's not the right answer to just say well everybody who retires is you know no longer needs life insurance you know that's that's not right but it's also not right necessarily to say everybody everybody for for their entire life always needs life insurance you know there's 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 a lot of nuance in there and you know shades of gray and it just kind of depends on your situation Great points, Glenn. So let's go to our final, at least for today, retirement planning hidden question number five. What kind of medical coverage am I going to need over and above Medicare? A lot of people just kind of stop at that Medicare point and don't think too far past that. Right, right. Well, I mean, Walter, you, know, you think about you know what Medicare, you know, just you know, straight, you know, basic Medicare does is, you know, it's going to typically cover you know roughly eighty percent of the expenses that are there, and so you know, well, who covers the other twenty percent? You know, well, that would be you, unless you have like a Medicare supplement or a Medicare Advantage plan that is going to you know, help offset those things. And so you have to really start to think about, you know, well, what does that mean? You all, and you also have, you know, you also have, you know, med, you know, drug, you know, dr drug benefits that, that you're, that you're going to, you know, you know, have to think about, you know, and, and, and how are you going to cover that? And there's certain requirements to sign up for, for Medicare Part D. And if you don't, then, you know, and you, later down the line, you know, you end up you know, having a, a lifetime penalty for not having signed up, you know, in, in time. So there's, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of the you know, moving parts there to Medicare, and it's it's it, you know it's really important to understand you know how all of that works, and to to make sure that you know you're you're dotting your eyes and crossing your T's, and you know and 
there's different ways of doing it. Like I say, I mean, you know, some people really like, you know, Medicare Advantage plans. Other people would prefer to have a, you know, Medicare supplement. You know, Medicare supplement is going to typically have, you know, you know, premiums to pay. And, you know, depending upon, you know, what plan you go with, you know, it might be a bit more than, than others. And, and then there's a lot of Medicare Advantage plans out there that, that maybe don't, they don't charge a monthly premium, you know, but they might have a few, a few more out-of-pocket expenses, you know, than, than does the, you know, some of the, you know, Medicare supplement plans. You know, so, it's, you know, again, you, you kind of have to, it depends. You're going to need to, you know, research that, understand how it works, probably, you know, want a good idea, you know, and good advice would be to, you know, to, you know, consult, you know, a, a an independent insurance agent that, that, that doesn't just, you know, sell sell policies for, you know, just one company, you know, you want to have, they want, you want to be working with somebody who has the ability to, you know, look at your particular situation, you know, what, what, you know, do you, are you taking certain, you know, prescription drugs, you know, or do you have, you know, conditions that, that are going to, you know, create, you know, more, you know, you know, medical bills, you know, are you pretty healthy? There's a lot of different variables there that, you know, that are going to be, you know, coming into play there and making those decisions as well, Walter, we just, you know, we just touched on it in the, in the previous topic, you know, it'd be, you know, and, and technically long-term care is not, is not necessarily medical coverage, but it's, you know, it's a close cousin, right? I mean, there, there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of things that are interconnected there. And as you get older, you know, there, those are some risks too. So you really want to be thinking along the lines, how are you going to cover all of those things? You know, you know, whether it be just, you know, regular, you know, me- Medicare and, you know, an advantage plan or, you know, supplement and, and, you know, do you have any hedges out there, you know, in your, in your plan to help to offset, you know, long-term care? care, you know, expenses if they come along. And so, yeah, again, it's, it's looking at, you know, a more comprehensive planning as to, as to what, you know, what, what could come down the, you know, the pike, but, you know, typically, you know, most people are going to need to be thinking about that, particularly as they, as they get older, you know, and, and for most people, you know, it's, it's less of a concern, you know, that, you know, when you're in your, you know, mid, mid sixties and early seventies, but as you get older and older, you know, it's, you know, it's like, it's just kind of a nature, right? The older you get, the more likely that the, you know, that there's going to be more medical things you know come along and again it's not necessarily in every every situation you know and every person has that but but the odds are that way and and so you you know you want to be thinking along the lines is how are you going to cover that you know that risk of medical costs or long-term care costs down the line that's a good point, Glenn, and I thank you for kind of walking us through all of these key points today. And there you have it, folks, retirement planning's hidden questions that you need to consider. Make sure you're asking, and obviously the final component, getting answers to these questions. And if you need help doing that, bringing these things up and uncovering these questions or getting the proper answers to them, don't hesitate to reach out and schedule a time to visit with Glenn. From wherever you are, you can go to RoadmapFinancial.com, look for the free consultation button, and set up that time to visit with Glenn. You can meet in person or virtually, whatever is convenient for you. That's at RoadmapFinancial.com, or you can call if you have any questions at 336-291-3535, 336-291-3535. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for joining us here on the Retirement Roadmap. For Glenn, I'm Walter, and we'll see you next time. 